Hello, everyone. Welcome to the sixth and final episode in the Voices of a Healthy Ocean series. I am your co-host, Jenna Valente. And I am your co-host, Sarah Winterwheelan. So Sarah and I are back from the road trip, um, and we thought that it would be nice to round out the series by sharing some reflections from our journey. And uh, if it, in all honesty, it feels a little strange to be recording this episode in the way that we are because we are, I'm in Maine and Sarah's back in Boston. So we are virtual and far apart again versus, um, you know, sitting in like a nice piece of nature or somebody's home or somebody's place of work and recording these podcasts in person, um, which I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself, but that was such a beautiful part of this road trip was being able to do just that is spend some time with people in person. I know. I, it feels so strange to not be sitting next to you in a car having this <laughs> conversation. Maybe I should have driven up to Maine and we could have recorded it in your driveway. In <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to pause the recording and we'll pick it up back in two hours and then yeah. uh, no one will really know the difference because it's a podcast. So you can just cut that I know. travel time out. <laughs> it is a lovely day up in Maine today. Um, yeah. Beautiful, even though I'm starting to feel like this, uh, it's like the Sunday scaries of the seasons mm-hmm. where uh, I'm excited for fall, but then I know that winter is is next, and I don't want to throw shade at winter because I do like winter. What I don't like is how dark it is. That gets yeah. Me. Yeah. You can definitely already tell, you know, like in the late afternoon, I'm like, why does it feel so dark already? And then I go, oh, right. It's the slide into fall. Mm-hmm. But I, I saw won't miss the heat. Yeah, that's for sure. It's been a hot, dry summer. And we're it's even so saying that. I know it's been really hot in the Northeast, but it's like, I feel like I have a hard time complaining because I know mm-hmm. that we have folks that are listening that are in the South um, and other parts of the country along the West Coast that are still getting slammed with extreme heat. So I I know I totally hear I totally hear what you're saying, um, and I feel very similarly. I did see something though about it being like the fourth hottest summer recorded in New England, so it was like obviously abnormally warm and hot here with all the 90 plus degree days. Yeah. I mean, even to the point where, and I know that this can happen in, in non extreme situations, but I think, Mm -hmm. uh, we're sort of in our town seeing this live example of something that I find quite terrifying that I hope doesn't continue. But I think if we keep having warm weather with not so much rain, um, it might. So, uh, there's a park in the town that I live in that I love to walk my dog at every morning. And it's great because you can let them off leash and she has like her dog friends there. And um, last week there was a blue-green algae outbreak that actually led to two dogs having to be euthanized. And that creek actually is the same creek that runs along and comes back behind my house. Um And that is something that I have not heard of happening here in this town. I grew up in this town. I have never seen that in my life in Cumberland. And now as a dog owner, 
Um, you know, you think about there are a lot of families here. People like to swim here. I've never really seen anyone swim in that particular creek, but I've seen a lot of dogs swim there. It's just like the changing climate and especially this summer with the extreme heat that we experienced, um, you start to see things that you're like, oh, maybe I need to consider this now, right? Like this could be a new normal is that I can't just let Jolene off leash and let her go splash around wherever because it could be uh, turn into a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. I know these stories feel like they are, you know, coming more often. Um, these like ab, what feels abnormal and the concern that they're going to be more normal as the climate continues to change. And, um, yeah, it's not a great thought. But luckily, we <laughs> visited with several people who are working to make sure that stuff like that doesn't become normal. That's a good segue. Yeah. I try. <laughs> like, here's Jenna and Sarah's downer hour. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought I was going to need tissues for like like my memories of this trip and like how sad I am that it ended. Instead, they're like just just tears of like, oh no, we're doing this to the planet and it's infecting <laughs> us this way. Yeah. And we can pull oh. a lot of joy from the people and the places that we are able to visit. So, um, so much. I think if you're up for it, Sarah, maybe the way we approach this is we just walk listeners through each stop mm-hmm. and um, share some of our, our highlights mm. from each place. Yeah. I love that idea. I love keeping it, um, you know, highlighting each stop, um, in a recap, just like we did on our trip. So that sounds lovely. Yeah. So, uh, we actually, we kicked our trip off in Boston, which is a place that's very near and dear to both of us as Sarah lives there. And I lived in, in Somerville for seven plus years. Um, And, you know, we didn't really interview anybody but ourselves there, but it was a really nice, nice way to, to start the trip because, you know, I met Sarah at her house and had a moment to, um, say hi to her family who I adore. Um, your husband, Chris and your two kids, Colin and Imogen are just so wonderful. So it had been a while since I had seen them. So that honestly was, that was a highlight for me is, being able to be back in the city for even just a short period of time and be surrounded by that nostalgia of when I lived there and it still sort of feels like home to me. Um, but like not quite, it's sort of starting to feel like I'm visiting again and, and then being able to stop in and, and say hello to you and your home and your family. Oh, I love that. Um, well, they were on their best behavior, A, <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, so that was nice. Um, it was just like a, just a nice kickoff to come together there. And I loved, you know, I think my favorite parts were, um, uh, having us both try on those t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good- Everybody, Sarah, I had no idea that Sarah did this. I show up to her house and Sarah had made healthy ocean, uh, voices of a healthy ocean road trip <laughs> t-shirts. She had them printed through Canva, which I didn't even know you could create other things other than like social media graphics on right. Canva. 
And then she created these like sticky magnet decals that we put on our rental car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was so amazing. It was really good. Um, And I, it just like, I don't know, it like created the right sort of send off. I think we took pictures in front of the car in our t-shirts. We ended up then wearing our t-shirts for the whole first day as we drove from Boston to Staten Island. And like, we had to get out and get gas a couple times, you know, like on the Merritt Parkway. And it was hilarious to see people both look at our car and our t-shirts. Like, <laughs> like what is people? going on? Yeah. Um, and then I mean, like speaking of hot, it was also really hot for oh. most of the road trip. And so, yeah. Um, you know, I feel like I could be sitting in an incredibly mild room and still be a sweaty person. That's just how I am. So I yep. sweat quite a bit in that shirt. So I didn't wear it at all for the rest of the trip. I so. know. <laughs> we'll have to like reconfigure that maybe next time. Like, yeah, or, like do a laundry stop or like have a couple or I, you know, all things that like we've learned on the road for the first time. I think the downside of that first stop was the car, like the car that we ended up having was an awesome Subaru Outback. Jenna and I both own Subarus. So it was a very easy transition to a rental car, but you know, we were planning on having an electric vehicle. We were really excited about this hybrid plug-in that we'd rented. And then a week before we were to kick off this road trip, the reservation got canceled. And if anyone has tried to rent electric vehicles in the last several months, you know, it's basically impossible. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, that was definitely a huge shift and also having to go to Boston Logan airport to stand among all of the lovely tourists who are coming in to see Boston (laughs) to get a rental car. I was like, Oh no, no. Yeah. But we pivoted greatly. Yeah, we did pivot. We made the most of a, of sort of a situation that wasn't ideal because as the whole theme of the trip is – and everything that we do, right, is about sustainability and conservation and, you know, healthy ocean, healthy planet. So we thought we had it all figured out. We had a, a rental car secured through Churro, which, which yes, I'm calling you out, Churro. And um, uh, that was an electric car. So we could do this trip understanding that we were – driving down the coastline um, and fuel is a massive Uh driver of, you know, climate change. And also it's extremely expensive right now. So we had the intention there and things happen. So very early on, before we even hit the road, we already hit our first barrier and we needed to pivot really quickly to ensure that the trip could happen at all. And that led to us driving Subaru, which, you know, the perk of that is neither of us really had to adjust too much to all the like weird knobs being in different places and (laughs) turning on the wiper, the blinker. I don't really know. Um, Yeah. So that definitely was a little stressful that close Mm -hmm. to us, us leaving. So I'm glad we figured that piece out. So easily. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. It worked out pretty well. So yeah. Check. Flexible, check. check. (laughs) Rolling with it, going with the flow. Check. Being adaptable. That's right. And uh, another thing right before we got on the road is we had – we sort of crowdsourced a playlist 
which I want to give some thanks to everybody that contributed to that. We definitely dove into that playlist that Mm -hmm. kept us going, that kept us energized along the way, along those long legs of going from place to place. So um, big shout out to everybody that sent us their favorite songs and the songs that were, you know, they like to jam to in the car because we definitely, we definitely jammed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we did. Yeah. So Sarah, do you want to share a little bit about um, Staten Island and our first stop with Matt Cardona? Yeah. So we jammed our way from Boston down to Staten Island in a day. Um, It worked out pretty well. I think that, you know, once we got to Staten Island, we, you know, had a place to stay. And then the next day met um, Mac Cardona, our first stop, who is the founder and director of Sea Wave Labs um, uh, out on Great Kills Beach, which is part of the Gateway National Recreation Area, um, the Staten Island unit. There's like a couple of units, one in New Jersey on Sandy Hook, and then there's this one on Staten Island. And, you know, I think um, our first sort of haha moment there was it was rainy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So our, our next pivot was, okay, what can we do in a misty sort of day? And for all of these stops, the plan was to meet with a local videographer and crew and both podcast and film with the um, story shares that we were meeting. And so right away, we knew that we were going to be able to do the video portion. And so instead, you know, Mac being the amazing human that she is, brought chairs, brought her beach umbrella, brought beach towels. And, um, you know, when we get to the sort of um, photograph and video component of this project, you will see (laughs) that set up on the beach, which um, was, I don't know, there was something so awesome about that. And we were able to do the whole podcast only started misting like right at the end. Um, But that was just such, I think, a fun way to kick it off and showed that we could still, again, we're able to pivot and be flexible even when our, you know, what we were hoping to have happen um, had to shift, right? Because of weather or, you know, the film crew or what have you. So um, that was one of my, I think, fun takeaways from that stuff was podcasting on the actual beach and we pulled it off like chef's kiss. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that, that was a really special moment that I think was sort of a lot of stress led up to it, right? Like we were we were traveling all day and then we were looking – we just kept, I feel like, refreshing the weather app and being like, oh, man, like what if it's raining all day? Obviously, you can't take your cameras and like shoot any video or take photos when it's raining and then – you know, even even for me, I'm like, I would like to avoid bringing out my podcast equipment. I just feel like it's, the, you know, like the recorder's a little bit more hardy, but when you start to consider like rain and sand, and then I'm plugging this thing into my laptop, which absolutely cannot be out in the rain, 
Um, yeah. So I think there was that stress of both the, the weather and then the equipment and then it being our first stop. So if we were to risk bringing everything out into the rain and something happened, um, we might've been in a pretty tough place, uh, for the rest of the trip if we had equipment get damaged. So yeah, that was a really special moment because it was this really lovely, like perfectly timed break in the rain. So it was, it was just a really like peaceful overcast, um, moment of us sitting in our beach chairs under an umbrella right on Great Kills Beach, which I think that's another highlight is visiting that place because I have not, uh, before this trip, I I had been to Staten Island once and it was to do the classic, what a lot of people will tell you to do if you want to see the Statue of Liberty is you take the Staten Island ferry um, across to Staten Island from Manhattan and you can see it for free or really cheap. I can't remember if I paid, I don't know, remember if you have to pay for that ferry or not, but, um, it's like super cheap and it's really cool because you get to see, uh, the Statue of Liberty from the water and then you just kind of turn around and come right back. And so I, all of that to say is my experience with Staten Island was incredibly limited before this trip. And I had no idea really that that beautiful stretch of nature and beach and coastline existed there and is there for people to use. And I think it's also funny because in a way, because we used to be employees of the American Literal Society, which is based (laughs) within the same like national seashore system. And Uh, you know, we've, we had never been over to the, the New York side. We had only ever visited the, Mm -hmm. the New Jersey side. So that sort of checked off a really exciting box is that we got to go to a new place, which was also somehow slightly a familiar place because we had worked for the society for so many years. Yeah. It was also cool too. Cause like as the weather shifted and once we were done podcasting and I think we put like all the stuff away, um, or the, it had started to, it had started to brighten. It had been so sucked in. So all you could really see, right. was like the gray and the mist and then all these birds feeding on these fish being pushed up by some larger fish underneath them trying to, you know, eat them. Um, and then the, you know, it started to lift and you could sort of see Sandy Hook on the Jersey side across the bay. Um, whereas before you, it felt like you we really didn't see anything except sort of the immediate shoreline and water. And then all of this sort of mist on top of the ocean um, or, you know, the clouds on top of the ocean very near to us. So it was really cool to see the nature shift in the timeline, in the just in the time that we were there, which was just a couple of hours, really. Yeah. It was really, really sweet. Yeah. For anybody that follows our social media accounts, um, which are Healthy Ocean Co. on Twitter and then Healthy Ocean Coalition on Instagram, we <laughs> recorded a video of us waving across the the bay to, to our friends at the American Literal Society. So you can check that out. <laughs> we did. Um, um, I think that's also where you interviewed the ocean. I so. did. I interviewed mm-hmm. the ocean. So we were, we were waiting for Mac to meet us at the beach and I had my microphone 
Um, and there is an incredibly special piece of uh, the ocean that sits right off the coast of New York and New Jersey. It's the Hudson Canyon. And uh, it's under sort of review right now from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration to become a national marine sanctuary. And so at the time, there was still an open call for action for people to submit public comment um, for the sanctuary and to show their support for the sanctuary nomination. And so I sort of... uh, took advantage of a a moment of having a few minutes and grabbed a microphone and ran down to the beach and interviewed the ocean, which (laughs) I, uh, I'd never done that before, but it was pretty fun. It kind of seemed like, um, there were some fishermen on the beach that were looking at me like I was a little bit unhinged, (laughs) which they might not be totally wrong on that, but. (laughs) Oh no, no, no. It was a great interview. (laughs) Yeah. I will have to, maybe that'll be like a regular, uh, social media feature from now on on our pages interviewing nature um and yeah i mean the i just want to put like a a finer point too on how incredible that moment was with the forage fish that came through and the seabirds feeding on them i have spent a lot of time along the coast i used to work full-time at chincoteague national wildlife refuge monitoring uh, populations of nesting shorebirds. And I feel like uh, I really haven't seen anything like that feeding frenzy. And Or if not, it's been a, a very long time since I've seen something like that. And I feel like the energy of that moment just felt like it was something larger than ourselves. It was like we had just finished recording with Mac. We had this really beautiful conversation. And then it, in the way I kind of interpreted it was like, one, really cool, super awesome. But then two, it felt like the universe was like, you guys are onto something. Like, keep it up. Because that's another little feature of our trip is we had some really – we had a similar Ooh. experience. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Yes, yes. But we had yeah. a really cool moment in Baltimore, which we'll get to in a couple minutes. Before we head to Baltimore with our recap – I feel like I uh, something that brought me a lot of joy on Staten Island was this pizza that we ate from La Piazza <laughs> Pizzeria. I had never heard of a grandma pie, which is embarrassing because I'm Italian and I should know this, but I feel like there's a difference between like New York Italians and mm. sort of like not New York Italians. Everybody and, else. Yeah, and everybody else. And um, so there's a there's a thing called grandma pie, which is literally the – oh, my God. It was like the best thing I, I feel like I've ever eaten. And I don't know if it's because I was like insanely hungry and it was like 10 p.m. by the time we ate dinner that day mm-hmm. that we got to Staten Island or what. But Both. I wanted Both. to get like – It was super good was and so good. we were very hungry. Yeah. So if you're ever on Staten Island, go to La Piazza Pizzeria and get yourself a grandma pie. You won't regret it. Yeah. Ditto. I like can absolutely vouch for that statement. <laughs> Not at all having any Italian blood, I think. Very <laughs> so German. Good. Yeah. Very English, like a cheap but... bottle of – well, it was the quality – The quality <laughs> – okay. The quality of this wine was cheap white wine. The price of this wine was like $35 because it was <laughs> – you know how like hotels kind of hold you hostage? 
with they they have a thing but you can't get the thing anywhere else unless you have to leave the hotel so um if we wanted to unwind a little bit from our long ass drive then we needed to pay them uh way too much money for the quality of this bottle of wine which we happily did (laughs) happily did (laughs) to go with our delicious pizza pie yep yep That's so um, good. I'd totally forgotten about that. Thank you for that yeah. reflection, oh, Jenna. I think about that pizza all the time. It was so good. <laughs> I might go back to Staten Island just for that pizza. Just for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So from there, we yeah. um, took a, another little trip. This was a good leg because it wasn't that far, right? Like. New York to Baltimore is like yeah. just a few hours. So that um that stretch in terms of car driving and all mm-hmm. of that other than being on like seven lane highways on occasion and mm-hmm. me being in Maine and used to my two to three lane highways now I'm like yeah. what is this this is not natural it's too much. Yeah. But I have to people. say the closer we got to the Chesapeake Bay the giddier more giddy, giddier Jenna got. <laughs> and like her like love for the space started to totally come out like in the car. She's like, Sarah, did you know? And like would spout off these like really great facts about the Chesapeake Bay watershed and like, oh my gosh, we're going over this river. Did you know? And of course I was like, no, I have no idea what you're saying, but I'm very excited to learn. It was like my own tiny naturalist lesson in the car ride down to Baltimore. Yeah, it was I like I can't contain things like that. Like I imagine you it's like anyone listening you know like when you go to some of your favorite places like if um you know if I traveled to Illinois with Sarah or you know it's like you I just and then when I was working down in Annapolis that was my job, right? Was to like educate people about how incredible the Chesapeake Bay watershed is um so it was like something some switch flipped in me and i was like like (laughs) here's all of the facts about this amazing place and yeah it was so nice to go back to the chesapeake bay watershed and to maryland and um that was definitely a nice moment a nostalgic moment it's like one of those moments when you you know, when you're traveling for work, sometimes you go places though where you have friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're like, um, I think the direct quote from one of my friends was like, um, excuse me, ma'am. Yes. I saw that text. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? And how dare you not yeah. come see me? So I it think was hard. that that portion of the trip Overall, I was so glad to be back, but there is that little like bit of guilt of, oh, I have so many like very, very loved people here, but I have zero time to see any of them. And we're all adults, so we get it and we understand, but just in reflection, it was sort of uh, interesting to be there and be like, oh, I know people who live right in Baltimore and yeah, so close, but so far. I mean, we were, I mean, I, when I, we talked about it, I think on our, um, you know, jump off episode, our first kickoff episode, we talked about spending two days in Baltimore, but that wasn't like 
really true. (laughs) I mean, what ended up happening is, you know, we drove for a good part of one day and then spent the afternoon into the beginning of the evening with Shauna on that day. And then early the next morning met with Amber um, in downtown Baltimore, you know, and spent then the morning with her and then slightly early afternoon. And then we, you know, hit the aquarium and then got back on the road. So in reality, even though we were like, we spent two days in Baltimore, we were there for like 24 hours and did two amazing, you know, podcast episodes and filming. And so it was like, that was, a yeah, lot. it was like we were going nonstop, yeah. like to the point where we like weren't even really eating. Or like I just like hit yeah. a wall on the second day where I was like, Sarah, yeah. yes, I, I'm hangry. Basically, I was like, I need to eat something now, yeah. or else I'm gonna lose my shit. <laughs> Thank goodness for that pretzel at the aquarium. Yeah. Is all I'm gonna say. Thanks, National Aquarium. Thanks, National Aquarium, for that pretzel that (laughs) saved my life. Um, So the first day that we made it to Baltimore, we met with Shauna Edberg, who is the Director of Conservation Programs for Hispanic Access Foundation. Shauna is somebody that we have – held near and dear as a partner to the work that we do through Mm. the Healthy Ocean Coalition for a couple of years now. Um, But when I say hold near and dear, I mean like at a distance because of COVID and, you know, like personal space boundaries. But we had never – we actually hadn't met any of these people in person before. Is that right? Other than Sarah, I think you might have met Mac at um, Capitol Hill Ocean Week this year. I met Mac at Capitol Hill Ocean Week this year, and then Maggie, uh, who works with the aquarium, I had met um, also once in person. Yes, but Maggie, like neither of those yeah. were like yeah, we met you know, Maggie in person because she went to one of our advocacy trainings. That's she correct. did. Yes, yeah, yeah. But um, overall, definitely, it's like the majority. We this would be mm-hmm. this trip was the first time that we had like in person contact with a lot of with the people that we met with and including Shauna and Shauna was kind enough to welcome us into her home um, to record the podcast, which uh, Maggie also welcomed us into her home. Um, And then our good friend, Helen Henderson on our way down, we stopped in New Jersey between Staten Island and Baltimore, which we forgot to mention to see um, somebody that, we love more than we can put into words, Helen Henderson. So um, just wanted to take a moment to thank the people that welcomed us into their like literal living space. That is um, something that was really special. And I know that that's like incredibly personal to allow people into your home. So that is not lost on us. Um, So we had a really great conversation with Shauna and then um, explored a piece of nature in her very own community and, in fact, in her very own backyard. I think something, Sarah, that I was I was just like, I don't know if I'm overwhelmed, maybe struck by, is how green and lush the backyard of 
like the whole backyard area of Shauna's apartment and townhome. I guess it's a row house. I was like searching for the right word is it was like a, like just so incredible. Everything was so green. Yeah. And I think coming from, you know, New England where we're in the midst of this drought coming down into the Chesapeake Bay watershed and coming into a city that didn't quite have that dryness attached to it. Um, and was still this like really verdant, like, you know, humid, (laughs) humid, Mm -hmm. um, space was really cool. And, you know, it was super kind of Shauna to let us do the podcast on her back patio. And then being able after that to explore down into that park and the, the stream that we did our filming at and how it gets buried under the city right after that spot um, was really cool. And, you know, a lot of cities have a lot of issue with, you know, heat islands and not having that green space and park space to, you know, help lessen that burden and seeing a part of Baltimore that has that. And even in the podcast, you know, Shauna talks about how um, she is, feels very lucky to live in that part of the city, recognizing that not all of Baltimore has that green space for residents and how inequitable that is and being able to spend time talking about that and then how that connected then into our videographer Lee, whose partner works for the Baltimore tree trust who helps plant trees around the city. So it was this like total amazing, authentic, organic connection that just happened as we were filming, like, Oh wait, what? My partner works for this organization in Baltimore that tries to get more trees into the city and, um, you know, as we're talking about the inequities in in green space in Baltimore. So it was like, it was really, that was such a striking moment for, for me um, oh, as we were doing that. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I feel like you really only can get when you are able mm-hmm. to connect in person, right? Like, yeah, because you have those moments where we're not actively – filming or recording where you're getting to know the people around you Mm -hmm. and you're having these conversations about, you know, who all of these people are and what they do and their interests. And that's when that type of stuff comes out. But when you're on Zoom, right, it's like half the time you're on mute and your camera's off and you're like multitasking and Uh, it's not (laughs) like you're getting at this really meaningful connection of getting to know somebody beyond surface level. Like I work with you, I collaborate with you. I know you in work capacity, but we got a moment, we had a moment to go beyond that and go deeper into like who some of these people are as humans. Yeah. And that's where those, some of those connections come in of, Hey, let's trade contact information because we might be able to partner Mm -hmm. um, to plant some trees around the city. Yeah, I, um, that whole afternoon, I think just, and it also didn't hurt that Shauna very smartly was like the most beautiful time at this stream is sunset. Mm -hmm. And so we walked down this, you know, path 
to the base of the stream. And you're basically in this sort of, you know, tucked in ravine. Is that like the right word? Um, yeah. Is it Wyman Park? Is that the name of mm-hmm. where we were? Yep. Yeah. And so you have these towering trees, right? Because obviously the um, the ground is going up on either side of the stream. And um, it was just, it was like such beautiful timing. And you stood there and you were like, how am I in the middle of a major metropolitan city right now? You felt like you were in the forest for small bits of time. Yeah, especially so because this is where that that teaser of other cool nature moments happening right after we were done podcasting and filming comes in is we made our way up uh, from the creek to this bridge that goes right over the creek and um, you know, one side is where Shauna's neighborhood is. And then on the other side, you get to where Johns Hopkins University campus is. So we we're standing on this bridge while our videographer Lee was operating uh, their drone. And we look down to see right in the middle of Baltimore, two deer that have these giant racks of antlers on their heads. I live in Maine where you see deer really all the time. And I haven't seen deer with racks like that for years. I mean, I don't hunt and I don't really like, I haven't been like deep Maine for a while. So just like take that with a grain of salt, but I see deer all the time. And those were like magnificent (laughs) stunning deer yes just hanging out together snacking on some vegetation and we dinner yeah we uh we were able to stand there and watch them for several minutes like you know Mm -hmm. 10-15 minutes and you know before they sort of made their way and sauntered off but it was right after we had that bird experience with mac and then we came yeah. down to Baltimore and had this deer moment, and it was uh, really special. Yeah, it really was, and that kind of held true throughout the rest of our our trip too. So we've had a bird moment, we've had a deer <laughs> moment, <laughs> um, and then the next morning, you know, we wake up really early. We get you know everything sorted because we you know we know we're we're leaving straight from the aquarium and get to um, this community garden in the heart of Jonestown, Baltimore neighborhood, Jonestown, um, and spend a good bit of time with Amber Doherty, who works at the National Aquarium as their conservation community coordinator. And I had such a good time that morning. I garden a little bit. (laughs) Definitely my partner, Chris does more of the gardening. He's more of our green thumb in our family. Um, I dabble a little bit, but all of the things that I learned from um, our time talking with Amber and, you know, showing us around the garden and how, you know, community members can just come in and decide what they want to plant and plant it. And there's bags for community members to just come in and harvest 
whatever they want, whenever they want, when the doors are open. Um, it was such a cool piece of nature that the community has created for themselves um, in the heart of the city. Yeah. it Amber is just so wonderful and warm and bright. Like she, she knows pretty much every plant in the garden. There are a couple of things where she's like, what's this? Let's eat it. And <laughs> find out. Yeah. I was like, okay. Question mark. <laughs> yeah. But seeing, just seeing Amber in her element of showing us around the garden on that beautiful morning and, um, you know, the, the moment where there was a moment when we were in there after we had recorded our video interview where two or three kids came in and you could tell that they frequent the garden and have a relationship with Amber and just to see how she was with the children and how, how just like excited they were to be running around the garden and have this safe space to like just play and be and be curious. And it's like all of the best things about being a kid is like, you can get dirty. You can ask a thousand questions to this adult who knows all the answers. And like, even if she doesn't, then she'll like have some funny response and like, isn't annoyed that you're there. Like, I feel like a lot of kids probably feel when they're talking to an adult. Um, and yeah, so that was a really great moment. And then also a new experience for, I think, all of us other than Amber is there are these things called ground cherries <laughs> where uh, they look, if you see them, they look like they – you can only eat them after they've fallen off of the plant and they're encompassed and encased in this um, sort of like leafy material, leafy plant. I don't know how to describe what they're encased in. Sarah, you might do a better job than I can. But um, yeah, so it's like their own casing basically. And then Yeah, it's like they, a papery husk kind yeah, of. Almost like, um, you know, those like lanterns that you can light off and like send – Yes. Exactly. Like a candle. It's sort of like that type of material, maybe thinner or mm -hmm. like a rice paper or something. And then, so I just saw them and I thought they were things that like needed to be cleaned up off of the ground, but not eaten. And Amber walks into the garden and is like, oh, ground cherries. Yes. <laughs> we were like, what is that? So she picks them up and you can peel them open yeah. And they're actually a, a species of tomato plant that are really sweet. Like I can imagine making some sort of like chutney or jam with them that you could put mm -hmm. on a charcuterie board. But we were e eating those and um, just totally opened my eyes to a new species of edible plant that I didn't even <laughs> I know. know existed. I can't even tell you how many of those I ate <laughs> <laughs> while we were in the garden. <laughs> they were so good. I, we should they were have, like, ridiculously good. We should have picked up a bag of them and then brought them on uh, the road trip oh, as a healthy yeah. snack. Yeah, you know, but then the Cheez-Its would have gotten <laughs> so very many, jealous. So, so. many Cheez-Its. Uh, so many Cheez-Its. Yeah. Um, and that was like sort of the like outside nature moment was this experience of trying a new 
um, fruit vegetable <clears throat> um, for the first time. <laughs> it has um, seeds in it, so it's a fruit. Isn't that how that works? Yeah. Yes, fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for the first time and like thinking, oh, wow. I mean, like, I don't feel like I have these experiences very often, you know, having someone tell me about um, a new a new plant that I was unaware of in such a like magical way. She's like, just opened it up, popped it in her mouth. She's like, these are delicious. And we were all like, we totally trust you. Let's do this. <laughs> well, you ate it first. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, I see. I see what happened here. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I don't, I don't mind. I don't just mind. Looking around to see what happens to everybody. <laughs> Sarah's just like, sure. I'll try this thing. <laughs> Oh, it was also really cool too. I think, um, I mean, I don't want to leave the garden, but that was just half of our experience. Um, though all of our filming was done in the garden afterward, we went and did the podcast at the aquariums, um, care and rescue center, which was like just three blocks from the garden. And, you know, Amber gave us this full tour of the care facility and, you know, just to see all the care work and the conservation work that the aquarium does and how connected that is into the neighborhood where the facility actually sits, right? That the aquarium wanted to be part of the community and asked the community, how can we help? If we're going to have this facility here, how are we good neighbors? And the neighborhood was like, yeah, the garden, it needs to, you know, become something again. And mm-hmm. it was just really cool to see that investment in, um, you know, a nonprofit, the National Aquarium into the community and that they're, you know, building this trust and relationship with the neighborhood where, you know, this huge facility is. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I felt like I was like a kid going to like Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory going through that place, but like without all the weird stuff that happened on the side yeah. in that story. True. It just, the excitement was so over. I was just overjoyed to be there because we were able to see the animals that were in the <clears throat> care and rescue center, learn of the behind the scenes like how people Mm -hmm. engineer, like they have a whole team of artists and engineers that make all of the materials that you see in those exhibits. So they have to create things that mimic and take into account like all the materials that the wildlife that are in their exhibits use in nature. So they have to recreate these habitats in a way that they can be durable. They aren't going to be harmful to uh, an exhibit that has multiple different species. There's so many factors and they have to look real. So it's like the, the creativity and artistry that goes into creating an exhibit at an aquarium. That is something that I had never thought about before. And had my like mind blown when they when we were like looking through that window, watching some of their like artists and engineers working, and then looking at some of the corals that they've created. Um, 
there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes, y'all. <laughs> yeah. No, there really, really is. And it was really neat to get that sort of behind the scenes view and super grateful that they gave us so much time to do that and to really sort of immerse ourselves in the work that they do. It's Aquariums are so much more complicated than us as visitors imagine them to be when we're there with our families enjoying, you know, these spaces that they have curated, right, with these animals to help teach us why they're important and why the ocean is important. And the National Aquarium, I will admit, Jenna and I did a shamefully short visit. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not even going to tell you how short of a time because I don't. It was like a cruise through. It was a cruise through. I have less shame about it, I think, because I'd been there before. (laughs) That's okay. Well, that's good. That's good. So you'll just have to go. We'll have to go back when the rainforest exhibit reopens because that's That's my favorite part. And that was closed this time. Yeah, it was. Um, but we like we knew we had to get on the road because we really needed to get south of DC before traffic ramped yeah. up. And if but we were like, knows we can't leave that area, the Oof. like Delmarva area. If yeah. you have experienced that traffic, like rush hour yeah. traffic, you will do anything in your power to avoid it. Yep, we still hit some. We did. But, you know, we were coming up on like 2, 2.30, 3 o'clock, mm-hmm. and we didn't want to miss visiting the aquarium, but we didn't. we didn't, time was not on our side <laughs> for nope. that, for no. that uh, to be as leisurely as we would have liked mm-hmm. it to be. Yeah. But we did get there, and we did see the sort of like incredible pathway that the aquarium has created for folks as they're walking through it, right. To see sort of like, it tells a story and it was just, mm-hmm. it was even in the short time we were there, it was really powerful. And uh, the part I remember the most other than getting all the cool stuff from my family at the gift shop <laughs> was um, uh, how you descend through this sort of um, circling, um, wasn't a staircase, but like, um, you know, a, a walking platform down and it got darker and the fish and it was shark, sharks mostly or sharks, yeah, all sharks. a lot of sharks, a lot of sharks, um, you know, as you got further down the sharks, I just, it was really cool the way that they made it seem like you yourself was, were descending into the water column and yeah. seeing the species of, um, you know, sharks that live in these sort of different layers. Yeah, of like in the water those depths that you're at. It was mm-hmm. really there. There was like I was thinking about that when we were going down. I think we talked about it of like whoever designed this was considering so many different factors, and how brilliant <clears throat> is that? Excuse me, I have something in my throat. Uh, how brilliant is that to create in intentionally design this space for you to have a moment to feel like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm a shark, right? Like I'm down here. This it's so dark and like feels heavier, even though it's not, but it's like somehow it also feels like the water pressure is on you and you're not in the water at all. It was a really immersive experience. Highly recommend if you get a chance to go to the National Aquarium, listeners, please do. 
And just a shout out, like they do so much work beyond the aquarium itself, right? Like um, definitely go back and listen to our episode with Amber because we had Maggie Ostall step in for a moment. Uh, Maggie has been on the podcast before, so there's a lot of getting to know Maggie that you can do. Uh, but Maggie takes a moment on uh, this this mini series with our episode with Amber to talk about some of the sea turtle work that the National Aquarium is doing. And that's just one piece of it. They do so much. They really do just, oh, and then Amber talks about some projects that they do in the community. So um, definitely go back and listen because um, they, they're a powerhouse and just a really great example of, of partnering with the community and being led by what the community wants um, in terms of choosing what conservation projects to work on in Baltimore and beyond. Um, And just another shout out to Maggie because we actually stayed at Maggie's house. We slept over. So very, very grateful. Um, And then before we depart from Baltimore, because I'm just reliving all these food memories Something that I still chuckle about is when we went out to dinner with Shauna and her partner. Um, the first day, we went to this restaurant called Rocket to Venus. It's so good. Uh, really cool sort of like retro vibe with this big like uh, horseshoe bar inside. And um, they have outdoor seating. And so we were sitting outside. And Shauna's partner and I went inside to order some food. And somehow there was a miscommunication probably because we had masks on inside where the person that was taking our order like doubled how many Brussels sprouts orders we wanted. And so we we already wanted many. I think we wanted like three or four or like it was like two or three. And so we're sitting there outside waiting for our food and it was like this – comical. It was like sketch comedy. These plates of Brussels sprouts just kept coming out. And we were like, there's no room left on the table for anything else that we were going to eat. Like, and there's no way we're going to eat all of these Brussels sprouts. And, um, spoiler alert, I guess we, we were really hungry and we love Brussels sprouts because we ate almost all of them, but it was like, maybe like six plates of Brussels sprouts. It was a lot. It was a lot. And <laughs> and then the, the, um, you know, the woman who brought the food out was like, I wondered if you really wanted all these Brussels sprouts. <laughs> um, but yeah. Okay. Good luck with that. Like something <laughs> we just seemed off, but I'm going to bring all of these out to you. anyway. Yeah. But we did. I was, I love Brussels sprouts. I love them. They were, some of the best Brussels sprouts I've had in a really long time. So I easily eat an entire plate myself. Like they as were dinner, so basically. welcome because at that point in the trip, I was getting to the place of like periodically looking at Sarah and being like, I need a vegetable. I need to eat <laughs> yes. a vegetable today because yes. we have so many car snacks. My, my diet, our diet was just like Cheez-Its and oh, water. Uh, coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Cheese, it's water and coffee, coffee fueled this road trip. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yep. True statement. True statement, my friend. Yeah. So between Baltimore and then our next stop mm-hmm. was going to be 
down in like the Savannah, Georgia area. So yeah. most of you know that is not a short trip. <laughs> that is quite a long drive. So what we ended up doing is getting south of D.C., getting south of Annapolis, getting just south of that whole area, Baltimore, and um, staying over in literally one of my favorite cities in the entire country, Richmond, Virginia. Um, and that was just a nice little respite evening for us. We we found a place to have an incredibly delicious meal. I forget the name of that restaurant. Um, but we had like, yeah, it was, yeah, I think that's, that's what it was. We had like crawfish filled, like turnover things. Um, oh man, I don't know. I had some sort of, we just, we treated ourselves to like a nice evening in Richmond uh, we stayed at the Quirk Hotel, which I would 100% go back to and recommend. It is so cute. It looks like Wes Anderson designed it. Um, totally could be in a Wes Anderson movie. It's very pink. And uh, just I think that's maybe the best sleep I had that on the trip because they have <laughs> yeah. white noise machines in their room. So smart. Very so smart. smart. More hotels need to do that. Um, but yeah, yeah, Richmond, so much love for Richmond. We didn't interview anyone there. There's a lot that we could cover there with like the James river and, uh, that also being a part of the Chesapeake Bay watershed. Um, so that's just like put a pin in that maybe for like future road trips, but it was just a really great spot to take a break, take a breather, um, look around and, and compare myself to all the people there and think about how I'm not nearly as cool as everybody there. Cause they have so many more tattoos than I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I have a couple tattoos and I felt very similarly. I was like, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I don't right? think like, I'm I have, tattoo cool enough. I have here. three, but they're like micro tattoos. So they're tiny mm-hmm. and you can't really see them. And then I was like, wow, all these people are super cool. We also sort of came up with a name for like my type, like the person I'm attracted to. So that was something we accomplished, right? Right. There was a lot of like deep reflection happening in Richmond. A lot of the people in (laughs) Richmond, I feel like I would like look at and be like, I would date that person. I would date that person (laughs) because I, I titled it like clean grungy, like people that like look dirty, but aren't. Yeah. I'm all yeah. in. I'm yeah. all in. So, yeah. It's like the new version of hip. It's like a new hipster. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you have like longish like hair, 90s. but you wash it. Yeah. Yeah. Like 90s style. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Maybe that's a holdover from when I was a kid living in Washington State mm-hmm. at like the rise of grunge. That'll do it. <laughs> that will leave an actual lasting impression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we had. Was it called Lyft? What was that cafe that we went to in the morning? Oh, yeah, it was the Lyft. I think it was Lyft. And we just want to shout them out because they had an incredible oh. smoothie game. Yeah. Like coffee in your smoothie game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. I keep meaning to try that here at home and I just get Well, it was totally perfect because that's like it was like the the smoothie that I have for breakfast every morning at home, but they just did yeah. it way better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> so now I've been trying to recreate it. 
Yeah. Well, that's cool. You're yeah. like, oh, I have something I want to attain. Yes. Okay. I have a, I can do this. I have a new goal. Upping my smoothie game. Yeah. It was a good way to start the day because that was a full day of driving from Richmond, Virginia, down to Savannah, Georgia, where we spent <laughs> our last day of our road trip. Yeah. So what was that? Like eight, nine hours? Yeah. I in think theory. like in the car time. Yeah. 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 And it was lovely until all of a sudden I got to drive and then the weather was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. let's see what we can throw at her. So here's what mm. happened. I took the first driving shift because Sarah yeah. drove the night before down to Richmond mm-hmm. and it is like hot, but it's clear, good driving, not trafficy. We got our like, we're like jamming out, singing along, having a great time. We pull over to have lunch at this random Panera somewhere, I think, in South Carolina, question mark. And, yeah, sounds good. And um, so we switch drivers, and I'm not even kidding. It's, like, maybe 20 minutes. Maybe. It feels, like, almost immediate. A series of major thunderstorms roll through to the point you can't see anything in front of you when you're driving. The road's flooding. Everyone has their flashers on. And we sort of had a moment of like, do we do the safe thing and get off of a random exit or uh, do we keep driving? And so we ended up erring on the side of caution because we wanted to stay alive and be able to finish the trip and make it back to our family and loved ones. So we pulled off of a random stop, which was uh, ended up being quite interesting. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, we stopped and sat like at a gas station for a while while the storm kind of like blew through. I filled up the tank and someone was standing <laughs> oh at the gas station smoking a cigarette. And I am like, I am hallucinating this. <laughs> I am tired. It's been several days on the road. I've had too many Cheez-Its. Am I hallucinating the fact that someone is actually standing there smoking a flipping cigarette at a gas station? And then I was like, no, I am not hallucinating that. That is actually happening. <laughs> yeah. So Sarah, all I my experience of it is Sarah just like runs back into the car and she's like, we need to get out of here. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's go. I'm not asking any questions. We're just, let's go. And so we go across the street to this oh outpost place. Yeah. Because we were like, well, we can wander around here and look at knickknacks yeah. for however long until the storm passes. And so we're like going through and we start to see like on some of these shirts. Like, so I'm looking through these t shirts. I'm all for like a good, funny t shirt. I'd love to get mm-hmm. one on the road to like commemorate the experience. And I like pick up this shirt. And it's Tucker Carlson's face. And then it just says legend. And I was like, Sarah. (laughs) We need to leave. (laughs) We need to get out of here. So, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of a, it was, it was uh, nothing really that, nothing bad happened there. It just felt like it was not, not our vibe. We'll put it that way. And so. Yeah. We, um, um. yeah, so we got back on the road. We were like, okay, it's time to go, regardless of what the weather is. 
Yeah, um, and the the weather app was showing we were we like those major thunderstorms were going to be rolling through for like hours, mm-hmm. but we kind of hit a point of like there were like these two weird guys that were kind of lingering around the store that like came in at the same time as us and they weren't really buying anything and mm-hmm. uh, we started to feel uncomfortable for many different reasons, um, and so we were like. I don't care if it's thunderstorming. We're going to leave. Yeah. I mean like the people running the shop were perfectly nice. nice. It was like the vibe that we were getting from those two other humans that didn't work there. And I have to say, right. Like we are two women on a road trip on our own. And that is the only time in the entire road trip that I felt vulnerable and uncomfortable. Well, especially because what happened when we left is they also left at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they like got in their car and then Sarah and I were paying attention and we were like, okay, you know what? Yeah. We're not moving until these yeah, people until move. they go. Yeah. And so we just sat in the car until they eventually left and then mm-hmm. we saw which way they turned and we went the other way. Exactly. But, uh, we had a little moment of being like, oh, yeah, I guess it's made aware that we're like too – women on the road (laughs) in an unfamiliar place. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the sort of stuff, right, that, like, people don't necessarily think about, right? Like, my husband probably wouldn't have felt awkward Mm -hmm. there, you know, but women have to think of that stuff, like, and not just women, but um, it definitely definitely brought up for me. Women and women identifying people. Yeah. Definitely that feels more front and center in our train mm-hmm. of thought on a day-to-day basis than yeah. like absolutely c- cis males, I guess. I'll put it that way. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's just yeah. like uh, there's a lot of times where I hear, well, like, I mean, are you actually worried for your for yourself? And and I'm like, this is a prime example of, yeah, right? We get nervous. We look at our surroundings when we are in unfamiliar places and, you know, know where our safety exits are. And, um, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, like, it's a, it's a real thing. It is a real thing. Many people live with yeah, every day. For sure. And so, you know, that was a bit of a, the whole few hours, however long that was, was like yeah. kind of a harrowing experience. And then, we're like, all right, we're just gonna, we're just gonna do it. We're taking off. We'll go slow if we need to. And it was like the gods were shining upon us because there was this convenient hole in the storms that we could not have timed more perfectly. It was like you could see it on like both sides of the highway, but it was like bright, sunny, clear where we were, and we were just like go because we had to just get south of like it was like basically if we could get like an hour south of where we were it was clear it was just like those carolina thunderstorms rolling through and Mm -hmm. so we were like all right we found our we found like the hole like we're like football players or something like there's like the whole (laughs) go through it before you get hit so yeah we and we did it we did it (laughs) we did and that was that was also stuff like we didn't actually stop really in the carolinas they were a drive-through which i feel really bad about because North Carolina and South Carolina are beautiful places with wonderful people. I got my undergraduate in marine science 
um, at the University of South Carolina. So I have a ton of friends who I texted and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm literally driving through the state. I'm an hour away from you, but I, I'm not stopping, but wanted you to know that I'm here and love you. And, you know, so like your Chesapeake Bay experience yeah. was my Carolina's yeah. experience of like, I'm so sorry. We have to get to Savannah by, you know, Thursday evening. So yeah. Yeah, I know it's hard when you can't stop. It is. But we made it and we got to Savannah, which is such such a wonderful city and um, had such an amazing rap experience there for our last day. Um, we really with, did. I yeah. love Savannah. I love Hermina. <laughs> Just Yeah. Well, Savannah itself was special, I think, to you and I, because when you first started with the HOC, our first like work trip mm-hmm. was going to Savannah and hosting a Healthy Ocean advocacy training. Our yeah, first way advocacy back training. in 2015, 2016, yeah. Yeah. sometime in that time frame when I was like brand new to Healthy Ocean Coalition mm-hmm. and hadn't like you know, we hadn't built our beautiful friendship partnership with like you and the other people that we run the Healthy Ocean Coalition with. Like that was such a big moment. Um, and then like launching these advocacy academies that we now run through the Healthy Ocean Coalition, like to see where they've grown now that we've been from like that one to now we're on like our 13th cohort of just having this space for people to grow as advocates. It was nice to be there to, to sort of revisit some of those memories and then make new ones. Um, yeah. And so we, we spent the night in, in Savannah and then, um, we definitely took like a rest night too. We, we were like, all right, like we're going to get like a glass of wine and like figure out food and just, sleep sleep yeah (laughs) exactly Um, and so the next morning we got up and we drove like 45 minutes to an hour south is that right yeah to a place called Hinesville Georgia it's kind of by Midway and we met with Hermina Glass Hill who is the founder and executive director of the Susie King Taylor Women's Institute and Ecology Center um, and we actually met her first out at this place called Kay Creek um, Wetlands Interpretive Center, which is this beautiful piece of – it's like quintessential that part of Georgia, right? Like it's like these big trees filled with Spanish moss that has this boardwalk going through it and all of this like speaking of like lush vegetation like we did earlier in the episode um, – that everything was just so green and vibrant and like all the bugs and frogs and wildlife were so loud. It was like this chorus of nature all around us. Um, and so we, we went there first to do the video piece. And I think, you know, the big memorable moment, there were so many, but the one that's sticking out in my mind right now is there is this, this part of our interview where Hermina was sharing how she was called to move from Atlanta to Hinesville, Georgia, which is, um, it's the birthplace of Susie King Taylor. Is that right, Sarah? Am I right on that? Or where she lived? 
It's definitely where she freed herself from. And um, yeah, so Susie King Taylor was an en- enslaved woman, black woman, who ended up freeing herself. She then became this this just incredible woman of firsts. Like she was the first black civil war nurse, um, first black woman to teach in a school of formerly enslaved students. She was the first black woman to publish her own memoirs. And that's just to name like a few things. So just such an important person in terms of our country's history, in terms of, you know, U.S. history, that that area and Georgia's history, uh, African-American history. And so Hermina is a uh, history expert. And so once she learned Susie King's Taylor's story, she felt so connected to this person and amplifying who Susie King Taylor is and was because not enough people know her story. And so Hermina told this, this spoke about this moment where she came out to visit Hinesville and she was standing on the shores of the Creek and she had what I only in what she calls is like what I would call and what she would call is spiritual experience where she felt the presence of Susie King Taylor calling her to move to that area and continue along this path of, you know, telling her story. And that's exactly what she did. But when Hermina was telling, talking to us about this moment, she was describing some of like the sensory experiences that she was having in this spiritual moment. And it was like this really beautiful, cool breeze came in out of nowhere. And as she was talking to us about that, it is such a hot day. The day that we were recording was sweltering. As Hermina was telling us this, this just like delicious, cool breeze comes through. Like the, I was getting like, I got goosebumps when it happened because I was like, Susie King Taylor is here. Like she is hearing Hermina talk about her and this experience and she's present. Yeah. And so I think it was interesting because we all noted it on our own, right. As it was happening and Hermina is talking and speaking about what, what she lived through. And then at some point we wrap for a minute, right. We like stop and, um, you know, McLean, uh, who is one of the filmmakers who's there with us that day is like, holy, what <laughs> did you, did you feel that too? And we were all like, holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like it wasn't just you. It wasn't just no. Ryan. It was like every single one of us were like, whoa, what, what was happened? that? But you, yeah. we can't interrupt this, the story, right? No. Cause it's also so beautiful. So we kept rolling Mm-hmm. And all had this like individual experience that we shared after we were like, that was mm-hmm. amazing. So that's like our, right? Like with the deer and the birds, mm-hmm. like it's like every single place we stopped had just moments that felt spiritual. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was just such a like profound moment. Um, in a day of profound moments. Yeah. Oh <laughs> um, man. Cause the podcast, which, you know, look, it's the, it's, it's the newest one out before this one. I really urge everyone to go back and, and listen to all these podcasts. We, I hope that this rap is giving everyone a flavor of how awesome these humans are and what a joy it was for us to be with them. Um, and this last one with Hermina, uh, does not disappoint. There are many sort of poignant moments in our episode with her that I will just carry with me, I think, for forever. Yeah. It was a powerful, eye-opening, like life-changing conversation. Even if it wasn't like, even if it wasn't being Mm. recorded, right? It's like whatever that conversation was, was so special. And I'm glad that we can share it with other people. Um, I we agree. laughed, we cried, like we did. it was, uh, it's something yeah. that you all should just not listen to us recap. You should go listen yeah. to it yourself because there's no way we're going to recreate it without yeah. the amazingly incredible human being that Hermina Glass Hill is. Yeah. I'm so grateful for that friendship and for the friendships that we cultivated on this trip. Like, friendships mm-hmm. um with with these people we get so wrapped up in work right even though it's work for the planet it's work for our communities it can it's still work right it's still hard it's still getting up and doing the work and you know having a life within that work and and families and commitments right in and out of work but being able to develop actual human to human connections and friendships with these people felt so remarkably wonderful. Um, yeah, is my big takeaway. I think, right? Like everything else aside, just yeah. ca- cast work aside for a moment. Like every single one of those people are so remarkable, mm-hmm. which you know is un- it's understandable why we chose them, especially if you want to go back and listen to the series, you'll get yeah. to know them a lot better. But the hospitality and the warmth that we felt from all of them mm-hmm. and everyone, it was like, they were just like all in, right? Like we like floated this idea by them and they were like, yeah, heck yeah. You yeah. guys can drive down here and hang out with me. Like, let's do it. Yeah. I know. Cause part of it was like, do you mind giving us a few hours? Oh, it might be more than a few hours. Are you sure we're not interrupting your day? And they're like, all of them were just welcomed us into their lives for however long it took. Like no one was like, Oh, this is taking forever. No yeah. one, you know, everyone was just so open and receptive and excited to be, you know, sharing time together. It was, it was really cool. I'm so, so glad cool. we did this, Jenna. Me too. It was like highlight of the summer for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, especially because I then came home and got COVID after, but not because of the trip. Disclaimer, I think that's so not wild because of the trip. We, <laughs> we we didn't mention this at all in the recording. Sarah and I were so COVID careful, right? We were testing oh, we every did. day. We were we wearing tried so masks. Hard. We were asking yeah. everybody we met with the test. So yep. we were like took all the precautions to be safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I'm home for one day and one of my family members came to stay with me and she gave uh, pretty much every person in my household and beyond. It was like a super spreader event and it was awful. 
So that that was it was nice to have the memories from that trip while I was down for the count. You're laid low. Yeah. 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 So uh, this is your friendly reminder that COVID is still very real and it's out there. And I know that a lot of people are letting their guard down, but get your boosters, wear your masks when you can, where you can, because I'm a young, healthy 33 year old and that kicked my butt. Yeah. Ugh, sigh. Sigh. Yeah. Sigh, 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 sigh. Well, Whew, that was a that really was good like, recap. It was. What an a hour, like-, like an hour plus of recap. I wasn't entirely sure, you know, how long we were going to go for. Mm-hmm. And we left a lot out. That? We did a lot. Yeah. <laughs> We yeah, did a no, lot on that trip. <laughs> we did do a lot. And there's like a ton of stuff we didn't even talk about, um, you know, because we want people to listen to the podcasts and yeah. we're really excited for the next step of putting it, you know, into a multimedia platform so that people can explore these places that, you know, we had filmed and that, you know, our story shares shared with us and talked about. So I can't wait for the next step. I know. Yeah. So for listeners, right? Like the podcast series that lives on, but it's also going to live on in an entirely different like suite of storytelling materials that we'll share with you when it's ready. Mm -hmm. Um, Stay tuned. We are so excited about that piece of it because we are, I'll just say this, this is the pilot of Mm -hmm something that's going to be an ongoing thing. So there will be more mini series. There will be more of Sarah and Mm -hmm. Jenna coming at you co-hosting. On the road. Yeah. Um, Sarah, I also want to like tip my cap to you because this is the first time that you've co-hosted or hosted a podcast, right? True statement. (laughs) What a natural. You did such a good job. Jenna. You did such a good job. Thank you. I hey, you are a veteran podcast host and podcaster, so that means a lot. I really appreciate that because <laughs> I was like, "Girl, I don't think you know what you're doing." Um, and you know, sometimes it's always like hard to hear yourself. <laughs> it takes. <laughs> oh, I'm, yeah, I'm used <clears throat> to it now, but I think yeah. at first it was hard. Yeah. But I think you can learn so much about. Like for me, I have grown so much in the way that I host and even just speak as a human being in the world because I started to notice like, oh, I do the thing that like a lot of, like I will say like a lot, it tends to be sort of a woman thing, like where you have the inflection where your voice Uh goes up at the end. Like you're asking a question. Yeah. Yeah. I would do that. Mm -hmm. I would ramble on without pausing. I would say like all the time. When I first started listening to myself, I was like, wow, I sound like I'm high. But like I but like I wasn't. Right. So Oh no. That's anyway, funny. you did a really good job. Well, thank you. Listening to your own voice can be that. painful, but there's a lot of growth that can happen in that for sure. Yeah, I love that. That's a great way to think about it. Well, it has been a pleasure. I have really enjoyed doing this. I didn't know if I would enjoy podcasting, but I do. It's a lot of fun. Um, so thanks for being a great mentor and how to podcast and being such a great partner, Jenna. I, Jenna and I have reflected on this over the last month and getting home, but, um, it was just like 
that statement from our first kickoff where it's like, I don't know if we could do this with everyone. We'll see if we can do it together. <laughs> totally proved true. Jenna and I are a good team on the road. Um, and a shout out again to everyone who gave us music to listen to when we didn't feel like speaking. And it was just such a great experience. I am glad we did it together, friend. Yes, likewise. Ooh, warm fuzzies. Yeah. <laughs> um, hearts, hearts, hearts. Yeah, so many hearts. And um, well, we want to wrap it up to you by offering just the biggest thanks imaginable possible to all of the people that we partnered with along the way. Um, so, you know, just for a couple names, like Matt Cardona is a guest on the show. I know we talked about this on the kickoff episode and on her episode, but she is, um, I don't think we would have been able to do it without her. She kept us organized. She connected us to all these local videographers, um, and is now helping us on the back end with putting together this this other suite of storytelling, story sharing materials that we're we're working on. So um, major thanks to Mac. Major thanks to David Riera, who's also working with us on the back end to develop this this product. And then all of the local videographers and filmmakers along the way. If you're curious to learn more about who we worked with. We will include those in the show notes, um, those people's names, so that if you're in the Baltimore, uh, Staten Island, or Savannah area, Atlanta area, actually, our, our Georgia film crew was from Atlanta and kindly drove like four hours out to work with us. So um, we will include all of their contact info for you all to work with them because they were wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Such a good project all the way around. And- so uplifting in local places, connecting people who live in similar communities um, who didn't know each other. But that was a really cool aspect too. Yeah, so, definitely. Oh, well, the, right, the ripple effect. Yes. The ripple effect continues. It yes, and it continues. It will continue. And for the meantime, thank you for joining us on this road trip and for tuning in. Uh, we will be back for sure again. And in the meantime, we'll pick up with our regularly scheduled Sea Change Pod Sea Change Podcast. It's been so long I can't even say the own name of the name of my show. Oh, we better Ch- get you back at it. <laughs> the Sea Change Podcast will be back at its regularly scheduled intervals of once a month on the second Friday. So stay tuned. Thank you for following along, and we'll be back before you know it. <laughs>